Real Kipper and Bourne. Breaking news. The Leafs have acquired Kyle Clifford from St. Louis in exchange for Freddie Charles. Future considerations. <laughs> FC. Now, you had brought this up the other day. Would the Leafs go back? And I said, nah, it's over. That ship has sailed, and they've got Richie, and they got Bunting, and now they've got Kyle Clifford. I'm not sure whether or not he'll be assigned to the Marlies right away or not. I, I think there might have to be some some juggling. I think the Marlies would be involved. You don't think that's for the NHL club right away? Uh, well, I think it, you, you... It's, it's, a, it's a cap... It's a cap issue. I was actually going to say, if you claim him on waivers, you have to play him for 30 days. If you acquire him for future considerations, you can send him down right away. Yes. I would think that... Uh, What's he make? million dollars, right? I would think... It, I, th I don't know whether or not they just want to add a million dollars to the, the payroll without actually sending somebody down or maybe just putting Kyle down there for now. Yeah, I see. I see the point there. Um should we wait to get into what this is? Is it good for the Leafs? Do they want him? Do we have Sean Thornton? All right. All right. Kyle Clifford's a Leaf. Sean Thornton almost was. <laughs> and we've got him now on. Hey, Sean, I uh, hope you're doing well. Uh, so much to talk to you about, including you're an author now. Uh, welcome. I wrote a book uh, right. as well. And uh, probably like, you know, little engine that could story. We don't have enough of those. But uh, first and foremost, welcome to the show, pal. Thanks. Thanks, Tim. How are you doing? Ah, we're doing okay. Just plugging away. You know, anybody that wants to listen, they know where to find us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, is that, is, that, is, that, is that a good I'll, promo I'll for a show? Listen to me, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear so how hear is you. overall retirement, like, uh, besides writing a book, um, you're, you're still involved with the Florida Panthers, correct? Right. Uh, I, I moved on to the business side probably, actually, like two weeks after I retired. Uh, they made an offer my second to last year of moving on to the business side. So I'm currently our chief commercial officer. So I oversee all content, partnerships, uh, foundation, community, uh, game presentation, a few other things uh, here at the Panthers. So it's been, uh, it's been fun. I, I love, love the chasing of new revenue, love creating new, cool, engaging content and trying to grow our, ba uh, our brand. So it's been fun. That's fun. That's a totally different uh, angle, obviously, for you, uh, quite the career pivot. And we, we do want to get more into that. But we were just talking before you came on, um, the Leafs acquired Kyle Clifford. And we have some memory. I think you fought Kyle Clifford once upon a time. Wanted to get your take on Clifford as a player, and we'll, we'll get more into your background. Yeah, we. I think we Yeah, we fought in L.A. Uh, when I was with the Bruins, if I'm not mistaken. I uh, don't know him all that well as a person. Uh, heard great things. Uh, you know, he's a hard-nosed guy. He... Uh, not afraid to get the gloves off when he needs to. Plays uh, plays a heavy game. Uh, can move around out there. So, uh, although I haven't watched him in the last two three years, to be completely honest, but uh, I'm I'm a big fan of that type of player. So uh, I, I'm all for it. The the name of your book is Fighting My Way to the Top, and it uh, certainly is a, a deep look uh, at your climb to the National Hockey League. Uh, in in my book, I talked about uh, my my. Maybe one regret was not at least wearing a Philadelphia Flyer uniform for just one game. It's the, it's the organization that uh, signed me to my first professional contract. Sean, is there is there anything there about you know 
not getting an opportunity to 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 play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You were drafted by them, correct? Correct. I mean, I think they're paying you too much money to bring me up. So, <laughs> um, so no ill will. Uh, I happy that I was able to be drafted by my hometown team. You know, I'm from Oshawa. Uh, spent four years out in the Rock. Uh, you know, at that point, you know, Jeffrey, you were there. Ty, Kinger, Elak. I mean, there was a Although the league was a different league, it was uh, still <laughs> it was a t- tough hill to climb over as a, as a minor leaguer that's still getting his, his feet underneath them. Um, so, no, well, it, it, I wasn't ready. I think truly I might have been ready in my fourth or fifth year to maybe get a cup of coffee. Took till my sixth or seventh. Um, but, you know, we all, you know, everything happens for a reason. I, I like to think that if, if I started with the Leafs when I was 22 years old, I probably, you know, I don't know if I would have played till I was 40, right? I mean, you're playing on that big of a stage every single night. Uh, maybe some things would have been exposed, and I would have been out of the league at, at an earlier time. So everything works out for a reason. I mean, I played nine years in the minors. It wasn't the most enjoyable uh, nine years uh, compared to playing in the NHL, but you're still playing a game for a living. You can't really complain. So what was it that changed for you in the path? You mentioned, like, maybe year four could have been time, year five, six, you think you were ready. Was it physically just your skills getting better, working on that side of things, or was there some sort of uh, educational process where you learned the way you had to play to, to become the player you were in the NHL? A combination of, you know, uh, a lot of things. I had to focus on, had to learn how to focus on playing the game and not fighting uh, a couple coaches that, kind of finally got through to my thick skull that listen, the, the fighting part will take care of itself. Like you're naturally gifted at throwing your hands. So stop putting all your time and effort into that. That's the, that's the easy part for you. You need to work on your game uh, and, and maturing a little bit as a, as an individual on and off the ice. And um, that really sunk in with me. And, you know, I took a hard look at, I was always a hardworking guy. I probably spent more time in the gym and on the ice than most guys that I played with, but I, I kind of had a habit of going to waste it afterwards. Um, so, you know, took a hard look at myself in the mirror and said, if I'm going to get serious about this, I'm going to, I'm going to have to mature a little bit and continue the work ethic. And uh, that, that was probably the turning point. And then, as you know, it's, you know, having somebody that believes in you too. Right. So I get to Chicago, I played in the minors for a year and then out of camp the next year, uh, you know, Brian Sutter was the coach. He likes hard nosed guys. Uh, I'm not sure any other person in the NHL was, was looking at me that way. And, really gave me some confidence that I could play uh, at a high level. And, you know, it took me, you know, full time. It took me another four or five years, uh, including one lockout season to, to get there full time. But um, again, it happens for a, a reason. Sean, you guys have a guy down there, Mason Marchman, who, you know, has a similar path where you, you put some time in with the Maple Leafs. It doesn't work out or they lose faith in you. And you find yourself uh, at times on a line with Barkov. Uh, can, can you, can, have you talked to Mason much? Have you, you no, relate to him? I'm so I, I, I can relate probably. Uh, I haven't talked to him. The I stay completely on the business offside. Uh, the Are they nuts? Yeah. Like underneath. With your knowledge and your experience. <laughs> I appreciate. I appreciate that. But you know, Bill Bill Zito's running the hockey side, and uh, I'm concerned about closing naming rights at our practice facility and naming <laughs> rights here at our home facility and I, I got enough on my plate uh listen if if anyone reaches out and says we'd love to have a conversation with this kid because your knowledge and bill's invited me to bring bring me into a couple 
situations where, you know, talking to the team about winning championships and things like that, but I, I actually had revenue meetings booked, so I, I couldn't participate. Um, but no, I, I haven't, I'm not down by the locker room. Uh, I'm completely focused on, on the business side. How does that happen? How, how do you become a guy that, you know, at the end of your career, they say, we would like you to focus on the business side, given your extensive wealth of knowledge on the hockey side. I'm sure you had expressed interest to some people prior to the end of your career. Way prior. So yeah. I was always the guy that I didn't know when my career was going to end. And I thought, you know, I was on extended time from the time I was 30 years old on. Uh, so the business side of sports always was a, a passion for me. I, I always was really intrigued by it. I was the, uh, I was the guy that after practice uh, in the minors and when I got to Boston would just go up to the front office and sit with the partnerships team for a few hours, sit with marketing, sit with community relations, sit with PR, sit with ticket sales. Um, and then same thing when I got here to Florida, I was with our COO at the time, constantly asking them what they were doing on, you know, what was the renewal rates? What, where were they sitting on their partnerships budget? What categories are they attacking? How are they building the brand? It, 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 honestly, it's just maybe because I was so involved uh, with myself and building my own brand as a player and doing my own partnerships and sponsorships. Uh, I never really had an agent for any of that. It, it kind of really took to it. So like I said, my second to last year, I thought I was going to go back to Boston. I had an had a, uh, offer from the RSN there to do some TV work, some radio work, uh, do some community relations stuff with the with the bees and uh, ownership and our CEO said, we think you're a little smarter than you let on and we'd love to bring you onto the business side and, and help, uh, you know, bringing some hockey knowledge to the business side. We don't have a lot of that here. And uh, so I took them up on the opportunity. It's been great ever since. We were talking to Sean Thornton, former NHLer and now author of Fighting My Way to the Top. Earlier in the show, Sean, we had uh, Jason York on and he he referred to it as the National Friendly League. Am I correct, Justin? Is that what he said? That is the phrase, correct. <laughs> National. <laughs> You've watched this from, you know, since being retired and then even your last few years and, and the game has certainly evolved. We know that and the skill has never been better, but... Uh, do you see it the same way as maybe Jason or, or not quite that extreme? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't hear the whole interview and to take it in just one bit of context, tough to respond yeah, on. Just, yeah, just basically. Say, as, a, as a player, like I was, I sometimes wouldn't even go to union meetings because I didn't want anyone to know who I was or think I was friends with them. I mean, I had an interesting role, right, where I had to be ready at the drop of a hat to, to grab somebody and, and intimidate them or put them back in their place. They're taking liberties on any of my teammates. So um, I, I wasn't a huge fan of, you know, talking with guys in, in warm-up. I wasn't a huge fan of, I never really trained with guys in the off season if they weren't my teammates. Um, but I, maybe I'm a little bit, I'm cut from a different cloth potentially too, but you know, my teammates work out with them all day, but when you're not my teammate, you're, you're my enemy and all that matters is doing whatever it takes to win. So I think there is a little bit more nowadays, you know, everybody training together, getting to know each other, whether it's a positive or negative. I, I don't really have a comment on that. The game's evolved since the days of me going out there and lining up beside somebody, dropping the gloves for no reason and punching each other in the face for a minute and a half, which is also a positive, but it's evolved from that too. So um, it's different. I mean, whether it's positive or negative, the game I think is in a better spot. I mean, the speed, the skill, the, the entertainment value of a game nowadays, I, I think it's as good as it's ever been. The idea that you, you know, sort of wouldn't go to meet at union meetings or work out with guys so you could sort of remain a intimidating figure in the league, you know, given 
Did you find that hard pretend, or is that who you naturally are that you feel comfortable being that sort of intimidating figure? Or did you find it was a challenge to sort of present that aura to continue to, you know, stay in the league and get the paychecks you wanted? Uh, I just thought it was the right thing to do for my role. Sure. Uh, listen, I'm a people person at the end of the day. I mean, like I'm half Canadian, half Irish from Oshawa, Ontario. <laughs> like I, I truly, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be in this role currently uh, with partnerships and everything else uh if i didn't truly love people but um and even if i am friends with somebody i know i fought teammates i fought friends that, that didn't really matter but i don't i just felt like it was the right thing to do that i was loyal to the organization that was paying me a big sum of money to do a job and for me to be able to do it to the best of my ability one of those you know unfortunate caveats is probably not being friends with every single guy on the other team uh, on other teams to make sure that they you know maybe they they're second guessing a little bit what your mindset might be going into a, into a match. So, Sean, what else can we find out uh, uh, through your um, amazing writing in, in your book? Tell us a little bit about it. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you said your book was about the little engine that could, and I, I, you, you definitely were. For me, listen, I was the worst player on every team I ever played on, right? And, uh, but figured out a way to persevere and, and play for 20 years. I had a lot of people my whole life telling me that I would never make it, and figured out a way to make it. Um, so I'm just hoping that, and I had, I, I'm not people that know me. know I, I don't really like talking about myself. So when this opportunity presented itself, I, I said no to it multiple times before I was convinced. And the reason I did it is if, if there is a kid out there, a young adult or, you know, that's looking to do something aspirational and hasn't accomplished it right away. Like there, there is a, there is light at the end of the tunnel if you stick with it. And, but there's going to be a ton of adversity to get there. So that, that's kind of the reason we put it out there. Uh, and, you know, there's a few funny stories and some behind-the-scenes stuff that people might get a kick out of as a casual fan. Um, but really, the reason I did it is to let, it's not easy uh, for everybody, but it, it's worth it if you, if you put the work in. Well, really appreciate your time, Sean. Thanks for joining us, pal. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Good talking to you again. All right, Sean Thornton, man. They. Don't build them like that anymore, JB. No, what commitment to the practice, eh? Like talking about staying away from just being buddy-buddy with guys so you can remain in that role, which is interesting because it's a way to maintain, you know, his value, and it sounds like he's someone who is focused on value, and he does that for the Panthers, so it all adds up to me. Okay, let's focus on Nashville. Like, Hockey is match this, tonight. Is, let's go. Is this one of those games where uh, you, you expect the Leafs to win? Yes, I do. <laughs> okay, so we can put it into the uh, the so LA gonna lose. the LA King the LA Kings and uh, San Jose. Those were two teams the that Rangers the, that uh, early in the in the season that you expected the Leafs to to and I I say sixty minutes uh, an overtime win. I mean enough of those. Now it's about building a sixty minute solid game. Yeah, you'd like to, to see the Leafs put that together. I, I've said to you guys several times in sort of pre-show meetings and all that, they're just going to win one of these games 7-1. Like, they're going to win one going away where the, they get all the bounces and the, the top guys are clicking. clicking. I don't think we've seen that exactly yet. Um, you know, at home tonight, they've had days to practice. Like, everything adds up that there's no reason they shouldn't be uh, fit as a fiddle tonight, so I like their chances. As a Leaf fan who's been watching games for a long time, beware Western Conference weekday games. There you go. And uh, Terry Crisp is there, boys. <laughs> you got a record for uh, Leafs versus Western Conference teams during Sport. midweek? We got to hit up the stats hey. department. It's a great question. It can't we, be good. And hey, we got Terry Crisp on the line? We do. 
Crispy, what's going on in Nashville, pal? Hey guys, well, we're like the Leafs. We're uh, we're sort of happy now, riding a bit of a wave. Mm-hmm. Start out a little slow, getting adjusted, bringing in some of the kids out of Milwaukee. Then Coach Hines says, "Okay, he's going to start to settle down, try and get some lines that'll stay together and uh, produce for him." And they're on a bit of a roll, and it's uh, what better of a time to be on a roll and to meet the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are absolutely on a roll themselves. So tonight should be a pretty good game for both teams. Yeah, absolutely. We uh, we appreciate you joining us to chat about them. We we don't get to see or. Uh, the Preds all that much, but one thing I do see is Matt Duchesne keeps shooting the hockey puck in the hockey net all the time. What's co- what's going on? What's the secret behind the turnaround there? It looks like he's off to a great start. Uh, well, well, you guys have been in hockey long enough, Nick. You've played long enough to know when you're hot, you're hot, and when you're not, you're not. And that sort of was has been uh, Matt Duchesne here for a bit. He was even in the early going when they weren't going in. You could hear Matt in his in his uh, press conferences saying. I'm getting the chances. He says, I'm going to keep doing what I do because that's my game, and eventually they'll start to go in. Well, lo and behold, what happened about the last eight or nine games? He's getting his shots on net, getting his shots away, and playing with the skill and the talent that we always thought he had, and is now starting to bring it and become a team leader. And that's what we've been waiting for, for Johansson and uh, uh, Duchesne, and now Fordberg's out. But those three guys to do it, but then we lucked, I don't say we lucked out, we brought up some kids from the minors that brought a lot of new energy with them, and that also gave us a big boost in the arm. So, Crispy, you got one guy saying, hey, it's just a matter of time I get the bounces, it'll start going in, and then you got a head coach in Heinz that says, hey, he's competing a little harder. <laughs> so so who's telling more of the truth here, Crispy? <laughs> hey, whose bull's getting gored on this one? <laughs> hey, coaches have... Uh, uh, Nick, you probably wrote half the coach's uh, handbook, meaning what it means, what it doesn't mean, and whatnot. But uh, John Hines has been. But I'll tell you one thing: John Hines has, has been very honest uh, with his with his uh, previews of the players and Duchesne and all the other guys that he talks about the kids. And and I, and I think Duchesne himself was the one that was putting a lot of pressure on himself because he knew he came in here uh, looking to be a team leader, one of the ones who wanted him. Um, and he and coach have had some talks and now they're going in and he's, and you know what? I, I got to say, he is playing both ends of the ice. He's coming back hard. And, they, and I, I don't know. You, you hate to put the onus on one, but as soon as he teamed up with Grant, they were doing good in the playoffs. together, then put them back together again when Fordberg got hurt. And Grandlin seems to have been, I'm going to use the word spark plug to, to get Duchesne going, setting them up, making them feel good on the ice. So, um, that duel together are dangerous right now. Uh, tell us about uh, what Roman Yossi is doing for that team. Obviously, he's just uh, such an important part of the engine that makes them tick. Um, is he off to another run that they, you think could be a Norris caliber uh, season for him? You know what? You're always hoping because he's, he's won the Norris Trophy, so you know he has it, you know he can do it. Uh, I think what happened uh, with uh, Captain Yossi was that all of the pressure started, suddenly started fell on him team was hurting the team was not playing the way they wanted to they weren't winning and Yos was trying to do like three jobs he's trying to do all the job in the defensive zone through the middle zone and in the attack zone and suddenly the other team zeroed in and said listen if we stop Yossi we're stopping half of their attack so they started to gear on him and then suddenly they uh they said okay our team said Yos you don't have to be the three-time winner like that defense neutral offensive zone just move the puck the way you can and move in when you have to. So he's settled down into a routine now that 
is more conducive for him to get more ice time and not wear himself up lugging the puck up and down the ice all the time by himself. You know, Crispy, when we talk about uh, teams and expectations, Nashville was one of those we've watched over the last five years where you're like, uh, they can win the Stanley Cup. They might even be the favorites, uh, you know, for for a lot of people uh, over the course of, what, five years? They got close against Pittsburgh. But now that you've kind of taken their foot, you you take your foot off the pedal of, of paying attention to them as a top contending team, they start playing well. Is this one of those instances where you, you think they're done and they're they're not done? Yeah, you know what? Last year, well, we were written off and done by everybody. And in the last 20 games, it became one of those runs you've seen other teams do that everything went in for them. Everything just clicked. Everything started to roll. Um, our goaltending was superb. I mean, Sorrow stepped in and just did an unbelievable job in Pecorini carry us that far and then Saros took over and it all fell into place so last year in the playoffs that's what gave us the hope this year that against the Hurricanes last year they beat us out in the first round but we went toe-to-toe with them game for game shift for shift and we were expecting the same thing this year coming in the training camp it didn't evolve it wasn't there and I think this year what saved our bacon in the early going was they called up the kids do you recall last year we played in the Hurricanes, they called, talked about the herd line with Trennan and uh, Genot and Sissons. They were the energy line. They were the guys that gave us the shot in the arm running into the playoffs last year. So this year we were hurting a bit. Then they turn around and do the same thing. Olivier comes up and they bring up Myers and uh, Carrier and a couple other kids from the minors, and they want jobs. They're hungry. They're keen. And they have lit a fire under our team, too. That's great. And, and looking at that division, it, it's easily the one for me that, uh, well, that in the Metro where I'm like, I have no idea who are favorites, who's supposed to win this. Right now, Minnesota and Winnipeg are the only teams ahead of Nashville. Actually, Winnipeg's tied with Nashville. You know, below Nashville is Colorado, Dallas, St. Louis. A lot of good teams in that division. What do you make of, uh, of the Central and, and how things are going to shake out there? It's wide open. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet your mortgage on it. Well, maybe I bet yours, but <laughs> oh, not right, mine. Thanks. You know, Nick. Nick, you might be buying another house. Sorry, <laughs> but, <you know? laughs> I'm putting your mortgage up. No, we're in a in a tough one. We knew coming in that the teams were playing. We know them all so well. We've met them enough times and have been gone head to head with them. But I think, you know, what I think gave us a nice shot in the arm too. We went on this last road trip, and we walked into Dallas, who has been really a powerhouse against us and knock them off. And then the very next night, we go up into St. Louis and knock them off. And I think you could, the coaches couldn't have asked for a better tonic against two of the teams that we hadn't had a lot of success lately against. And they were a big, tough, bruising team that used to run over us. And in those two games, they did not run over us. Our guys met it uh, stride for stride with them. So looking at those games, I, I feel good about our team. Uh, Crispy, as far as uh, depth is concerned, you're a lot better with Philip Forsberg in the lineup than you're not. He's uh, he's dealing with a final year of a six-year contract. Is there a, a world where he's not a Nashville Predator as far as you're concerned? You know, it's the quietest thing, you know, in, in the hockey world. There's always buzzing and rumors and innuendos and whatnot. But um, this one has been very quiet. Uh, Philip himself has not been pushing it. His agent hasn't seemed to push it. David Poyle. Uh, is not pushing for it for whatever they're doing. So it's been very quiet. Nothing's coming out from our end of it. So 
I think it's we're, we're playing right now a wait and see game to get Philip healthy, to get him back playing the way we know he can play. Because for years he was our top gun here, and we know he can do it. Uh, but again, in, in the wonderful world of hockey, just when you think you know it all, they jump up and fool you. All right, Terry Crisp. <laughs> Really appreciate your time helping us tee up Nashville and the Leafs. Enjoy the rest of the night, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Phil, for having me on always. And remember, stay healthy, stay safe, and look after your families. eh? Thanks, Crispy. Terry Crisp. So, Sammy, did you order your Kyle Clifford jersey yet? (laughs) Sammy might already have I was saying bye to our guest. There he is. Yeah, I did. I did. I did order it. Do you you Uh, like it? Do you like the pickup? I do. I do. I have to say, like, I we were talking about, you know, guys that walk that line of being tough and somewhat smart. And I think, you know, there's you can get into the world where you're wanting just a straight tough guy, but he can play. I think Kyle Clifford can play a little bit. And I, you know, they're already load managing on that fourth line. They put they took Simmons out of the second half of a back to back there against uh, I was on the weekend. So it was against Buffalo. I think he's just going to be one of those guys I, that he's in the mix for that. I liked him when he was here. Me too. Yeah. And I, I, I thought they should have resigned him. Yeah. So, how, about, how about Sammy with the secret? By the way, he said, "Give me a smart and tough team. Can I have both? Can I have a smart and tough team?" Sammy says, and then the Clifford signing drops. Well, that's putting it out to the universe. So right there. I, I think what they did because they could have claimed him on waivers, I guess, but then they made the trade. So now that he, I think they can maybe start him in the Marlies sort of. Uh, i.e. the Galchenyuk sort of route where they put him down there, let him play a little bit, get him acclimatized and come up and play, maybe mix him in and here and there. I don't know. Like, do you guys see him being a regular? I don't know. I think I, he's going to be in the mix. I think he's a guy that can that can push uh, certain guys, including – I include Wayne Simmons. Mm-hmm. And I, I've, I've liked Wayne's game the last two weeks a lot better than I did earlier, but – not often enough for me. Not a not a big enough presence in that role for me. And I think Clifford can come in and and push a guy like Wayne Simmons to say, if you're not noticeable on the forecheck or pissing other people off or being a threat like that, then then I'll do it. So I want to say two things without sounding like I'm being critical of the so I like the the first thing is I like this pickup. Because I agree with Sammy, probably starts in the minors. He's only played two games this year. Like, go get him some hockey matches. <laughs> get the old, you know, feet under himself and get him feeling good again and ready to play. Um, I, and I like having a guy like this for the Leafs. I think they have they lack toughness. They lack guys that, that have this sort of role in this edge and he can still play hockey. So I like it. Check. But, B. you know, the, the, the only other concern, JB, I have is that Richie Bunting, Kyle Clifford... I mean, it's it's still a weak left side. Oh, yeah, it's super weak. My, so, my mean, issue can't... is I want a guy like this who's young because the older guys don't want to fight. Simmons doesn't want to fight anymore. Clifford doesn't want to fight at the end of his career. I know they will. I know they're tough. I know they're going to do it if they have to. But, like, and not, I'm not saying they should call up Curtis Gabriel, but, like, someone is young and hungry and trying to how, make it. How old do you think Kyle Clifford is? 30. 30 you know that, then. But you know, I also know he th- looks not 30, he's 30, to your point. He's 30, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's got some mileage. He's played 728 hockey games yeah. in the NHL. I mean, mileage is, is you know, pretty valuable telling yeah. for hockey age. But he he was a willing guy when he was here. He, oh, he's willing. He's yeah. absolutely willing. I just don't think he's hungry to, like, prove no. it. And uh, you know what? I could totally be wrong on that. I just feel like those young energy guys. So, you know, and in a perfect world, God, you wish he played defense. <laughs> 
Maybe they're gonna. You wish he played. Maybe that's where they're yeah. starting him in the Marlies. They're gonna get know, his, any, some reps on any, any, right, any, right side as a left shot. Any yeah. Leaf fan would wait. Like if if you want that type of toughness, you, you, the first choice is to find a blue liner like him. Yeah. A, a a five six seven guy that can play really hard. I still think they must be in the market for that. Have to be. Not think. <laughs> yeah. If they're not, they're nuts. Yeah. So I got to ask you guys a question here. Do you think there's, because we were talking about Keefe earlier, uh, his clip talking about how they're looking at this as a 10-game run. And if you look at the Leafs lineup with Richie on the fourth line, I don't think there's as much of a spot to bring a guy in like Clifford, right, to kind of rotate him in because Richie makes the money he makes. He's kind of locked into the lineup. No. No? No, no, you're right. Yeah. You're right. And, and, and Clifford will push Richie so, as so well. So now, with them giving this a 10-game run or whatever, mm-hmm. I think there's more of an opportunity for them to kind of mix and match on the fourth line than there would have been when it was when it was uh, Richie in that spot on the fourth what line. What I think you, you like is you have the opportunity to make your fourth line a fourth line. Instead yeah. of a fourth line that is Spezza-centered, you know, it still may involve Spezza, but if the other two guys are going to dump it in and forecheck and hit, that's a fourth line. You know, when it's Richie and Simmons, they, they both want to score goals. And, Kipper, you've made that point, too. Bunting's in the fourth line. He doesn't want to just go in and muck and get off the ice. And it's okay to have a couple of guys who want to go in and muck. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it does well, give you the opportunity to, to and, present and a different Clifford look. will go out and do his job. Oh, yeah. He's Not a-, a guy that's just buying time to get his cookie. <laughs> yeah. There's a few cookie monsters <laughs> still in that lineup. There are for sure. So good good for them having a, another option. It's just it's going to be tough with, with cap flexibility and, you know, I don't know. How many games over under Kyle Clifford on the season for the Toronto Maple Leafs? There are currently uh, seven, 69 games left. Nice. Mm. How many games left? Uh, how, how many does Clifford play? I'll give you a 15. 15, Whoa. 20. 15, 20 uh, out of 69. Uh, yeah, I'd probably say... 25-30. Yeah. Again, you're... That many. You may... I think when it's all said and done, uh, I, I don't know where Richie ends up. But here's the other thing. Right now, the next guy up is Kirill Semyonov. And he had a fine showing one game and then a couple... Uh, yeah. Like, they have another NHLer in Kyle Clifford, and there's going to be injuries all year. I bet you he plays... And I'll take a high... I'll take the over on Kipper's number. Take over 30. Really? Yeah, I just think, if, assuming he's healthy, yeah. I just think the Leafs are always going to be down a guy or yeah. two. That's just the NHL. So he's going goes down to the Marlies for probably two weeks, Sounds three good. weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. probably and now two. you're, now you've probably figured out a little bit more about your lineup. Yeah. So who doesn't love this acquisition? Who's that? Pierre Angle. <laughs> It's just another guy that Keith can be like, But oh, that's a good thing. For sure. That for is a sure. good thing. Get them out of their comfort zone. Let them know that there's somebody underneath them that is just itching to take their spot. Yes. And that's the healthiest organization. Yeah. The ones where there's just enough pressure on these guys to Internal say, don't, 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 don't relax here. Now, all of the psychology of NHL teams can be understood through individual motivations. Everyone's just trying to get their spot along the way. And sometimes playing for the team is what's good for you individually. That was a Zach Hyman thing, you know, right? That's how it worked for him. 
We should uh, get a buzzer every time we mention Zach. I Hyman. know. To be honest, every time I say it, I feel like we it, do. Like I feel like we do it so much. Is he off his fifty goal pace yet? No, he's, he's not. not. <laughs> 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 All right. Before before we get off the air, can I share this uh, stat we dug up before the show that I, I shared in our group chat about playoff games and oh yes, season please. Games? Okay. So before the show, we're talking about Dion Phaneuf, who played uh, 1,058 games, give or take, and, and not a ton of, of postseason games, but some. He, I think he was 20-something. I don't remember exactly what it was. So we're talking about players? How many playoff games? Oh, did I, I had that way wrong. So he, he played 1,000 no, no, no. games, 1,048, and 55 playoff games. Yeah. 55 playoff 50, games. That's, okay. That's, no, that's a huge difference. I understand. Yeah, yeah, My bad. Yeah. Because um, what is it? One... Uh, a regular season equals three playoff games. <laughs> oh, no, that's just for suspensions. Never yeah, mind. That's right. So we're talking about players who've played a thousand games in the NHL and the guys who've played the fewest postseason games to go with that. And so we we're saying what player has played a thousand NHL games and played the fewest NHL regular, sorry, postseason games to go with that. Um, Marcel Dion came to mind, I think, for pretty quickly for a lot of people. 1,348 regular season games only played in uh, 49 uh, playoff games. So that's uh, 28 regular season games for every playoff game. Sammy, what, what's the answer? Who's the guy? It's Ole Jokinen. And I I called this off the hop, and there's just no one close. What's the number? It is Ole Jokinen played 1,231 regular season games and six playoff games. Six! So that's 205 regular season games for God. every playoff game. He's 30 off mine. <laughs> My total. Is that right? I think I have finished with 35, 37 maybe. I don't know. Tack a cup on there. I think that's... Mid, uh, mid-30s. I know I'm in the mid-30s. That's pretty darn good. But I think... that is just a horrible feeling. So is that reflective on a player, I or is that bad know. luck through your I career? Because some of the guys on this list are pretty darn good he's, hockey players. He's a really like cylinders uh, on the he list. He was a talented guy. Andrew Burnett's on the How list. How many teams? Sean Hulk. How many teams for Cylinder or for no, Jokinen? Jokinen. That's a great question. He played for the six, maybe. Played for the Flames, the Panthers. The, he played for the Leafs for a year. He got traded here at the deadline. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry, my my, like, my skills here are lacking. All right, we got the you can't get traded Kings, to- <laughs> Islanders, Panthers, uh, Coyotes, Flames, Rangers, Jets, Preds, Leafs, Blues. Okay, I, I, I lost count of ten. I honestly don't know where what that ended up being, but yeah, that's uh. You're telling me right now that he's played over like 10 teams and he can't find one to get out of the first round. I remember when this conversation was all Jay Bowmeister yeah. and then Bowmeister, he's played 75 playoff yeah. games now. Stanley cup. All Jokin didn't quite stumble I, onto uh, a St. Louis blues along the way. It sucks. Missing the playoffs. Yeah. It really sucks. Long summer. You're missing all the fun. Eric. That is so that's, look at that's, un, that's unbelievable. Six playoff games in twelve hundred and thirty-one games. Yeah, and looking at the guys who've uh, the the ratio of regular season to playoff games. Uh, here are the names, some of the names in the top ten. Matt Stajan is behind Ole Okunen, number two. Mm-hmm. Um, Seventeen playoff games to go with his thousand NHL regular season games. Andrew Castles. I'm not going to pretend to know who Harry Howell is. No disrespect. I'm sure he's a wonderful player. Ranger, uh, former Ranger. Okay, uh, Nick Schultz, Radek Dvorak, uh, Steve Steos, Derek Morris, Eric Brewer, Ron Hainsey. I don't know that there's a theme of a player no. in there, but just some guys just with some bad, bad luck. luck. Yeah. Just a, a question here. Um, why would you be curious about this in November? Ah, the FNF thing came up. It's just the FNF thing. 30 seconds. All right. Well, Ole Jokin made $45 million in his career, so I think he'll be fine. 
Would you trade two million for ten playoff games? <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on! Yeah, you would. It, it could lead to yes, the I Stanley would. Cup. Yes. Sir. All right, that was fun today. Came up with some thoughts and ideas. We actually used our imagination today Special. on the show. Yeah. That was fun. That was fun. I still like my golf ball idea. I I'd, think watch, I'd watch your ideas. I promise I would. All right. We're out of here. We're right back at you tomorrow on Real Kipper and Born.